Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome everybody to a an All Star Weekend edition. Well, it's I guess it's almost the weekend, so it is almost the All Star break for the NBA of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host Hayden Grove, joined as always by our Cavaliers beat writer at Cleveland.com, Cleveland.com, excuse me, Mr. Chris Fedor. And Chris, I want to ask you right off the bat, how does it feel to be on the All Star break? Oh, buddy, it feels great, but it doesn't feel like it's actually here. There are a couple of pieces that I'm working on over the next couple of days um, before I head to Fort Lauderdale, actually. Whoa. For a little weekend getaway. Whoa. You're going to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. I love it. I know you got to love that, man. I love that for you. Okay, absolutely. (laughs) Where are you? Like, okay, you don't have to tell me where you're staying because I don't need anybody stalking you. But, uh, like, are you staying on the beach? Are you staying downtown? Nope, staying on the beach, beachfront access from the hotel. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And how yeah. long are you going for? Uh, going for four days. It'll nice. be nice. Much Sweet. needed. This um this season has been a lot, man. The schedule yeah. has been so condensed. It's something every single day with this team. Some of the recent days off that they've had have actually turned into non-days off. So It'll be really, really nice to kind of get away and recharge for the grind of the second half, which um, a lot of people inside the organization are really, really excited to see what this team can become in the second half and see if they can make a real playoff push. So in order to have the best coverage, I want to make sure that I'm um, refreshed, rejuvenated and ready to go. Fort Lauderdale will do that for you. Usually it's the thing for you. It might for me. It never does (laughs) for me. I go, I get, I get there, and I when I leave, I am more exhausted than when than when I arrive, because you know, for me, that's where all my like lifelong friends are. Yeah, and right. They, you know, that's if you're if you're new to the podcast, that's where I was born and raised. Um, my dad took a job at the Cleveland Clinic in Florida when it was built, so that's why that's the connection from Cleveland to Florida for me. Yeah. Uh, and my my family is obviously from Cleveland, but. I grew up and born and raised in Fort Lauderdale, so I obviously, if you need any dinner wrecks, if you need any, yeah. you know, any any spots, I can definitely let you know. I'm, I'm sure you've been to the Fort Lauderdale area, Fort Lauderdale area before. Yep. But you're usually on the on the road when you're with the Cavs. You're usually right. in Miami, which is a little different. Yeah, and I just think it's so much better than South Beach. Just for me personally, South Beach oh. is a lot, right? Oh. Like South Beach is not a time to rejuvenate and recharge. No. 
it's well, exhausting. There's a lot happening. It's chaotic. So I don't think that was the right move for us. No, Fort Lauderdale is. I honestly, and I think, I think, I think I was just saying this last night. Is that Fort Lauderdale is? It used to be a lot more homey. It used to be a lot more. When I grew up, it was a lot more family oriented. It was uh, kind of like it was. It was much more of a sub suburban type city than a real city. But now it's really ramping up. So you're soon. You're gonna have to find another destination because Fort Lauderdale <laughs> is gonna be. It's gonna be this. It's gonna be like Miami light yeah you know for for lack of a better term but regardless like i said like i said it's not the all-star break yet for me technically because i'm working on a big dean wade feature and i'm working on a couple of other pieces that that are going to go up either um at the end of this week or beginning of next week um so i want to get those out of the way and and once once i'm done with those then i feel like i'm actually going to sense that it's the all-star break and i can escape mentally i even texted somebody with the Cavs. i said if you trade andre drummond while i'm in fort lauderdale we're gonna have words <laughs> listen i can i know that you and know i know it's your thing and your territory but if you want me to if you're in fort lauderdale and i need to write something about andre drummond getting traded <laughs> i'll do it i don't really care that's you need to enjoy fort lauderdale to the best of your abilities <laughs> that's awesome For, oh, because because i i will take it personally if you don't have a good time you know? <laughs> I know you will. I love it. I will take it very personally. Yeah. So that's awesome. It'll be great weather down there. It's it's not the time of year that it's too hot yet. Um, you know, once you get into June and, and May and it gets a little toasty, but you're you're going at a good time. It'll be nice yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um what has what was nice for the Cavaliers and what kind of turned into not so nice uh, for the Cavaliers, they were on a four-game win streak. Could have been five games last night. Blew a big lead. Turned the ball over a pretty significant amount, especially in the second half and late in the game. Uh, Cavaliers lost their last game, 114-111. to uh, But before that, won four straight against the Rockets, Hawks, 76ers, and Rockets again in Houston. So we were just talking, Chris, about the 10-game losing streak and what we wanted to see from the Cavaliers you know, following the losses. And I think we both came to the the realization, like, we just want to see them play more competitive basketball. We wanted to see them fight and, and you know, keep their, um, keep their fight, keep their competitiveness. So it didn't, if, even if it didn't amount really to wins and certainly they kept their competitiveness and they also started winning, um, scoring literally 112 points for three games in a row. Um, you know, holding teams to under 112 points and, and holding the Rockets to 96. And I think that they just, or holding the Rockets to 90, excuse me, in uh, Houston. I think that that's exactly what they needed to do coming off of that hor- horrendous, horrendous road trip and against in the two games against the Nuggets and Thunder. Um, you wrote a you wrote a column uh, on Cleveland.com slash Cavs and where you should always go to get, check out all of Chris's work. Um, you wrote a column literally called Cleveland Cavaliers survived worst stretch of season and are better because of that adversity. And I could not agree more with you. Yeah, I mean, I just think like, there are different moments throughout the course of a season that are going to define a team. And, and we all knew going into February that it was going to be brutal. Um, I talked to Larry Nance Jr. about this, and he said the players didn't fully realize what we were in until we were actually in it and feeling it and dealing with it. Um, but I thought it was really, really important that throughout all of that, the team stayed together. Yeah. Um, There wasn't a lot of finger pointing going on. There was obviously frustration and there was disappointment 
and they were upset following games and they did a lot of soul searching, but it wasn't a team that was broken. They didn't crack. They didn't fold. And Larry Nance even said it to me. He said, look, in previous years, you would have seen us fold. That would have been it. That would have been our season. It would have been done. There's no way that we would have been able to come back from that. But for the Cavs to go through everything that they went through and then go on a four-game winning streak and do it a lot, Hayden, with um, young guys leading the way as opposed to leaning on veterans, like mm-hmm. to me, that showed a lot about what this team can be in the future. Um, for the young guys to keep it together, continue fighting, and be able to turn it around with Larry Nance Jr. on the sidelines, no Andre Drummond, no Kevin Love, no Matthew Della Vadova. That was a monumental win against the Philadelphia 76ers. And to me, it shows a lot about what this team is going to be capable of in the future, moving forward, second half of the season. Um, there were a lot of really, really positive signs where it easily could have gone the other way. And for other teams in the past and other teams in the NBA, maybe it would have gone the other way. So J.B. Bickerstaff deserves a lot of credit, no doubt, for keeping them together. But I think the young players, for having that mental toughness, deserve a lot of credit as well. Absolutely. I mean, to to find a way through that horrific stretch, I mean, we, literally, it could not have been any better. For, for them to find themselves in that situation and to come back with four straight wins. I guess, like I said, the only way it would have been better is to have won last night, making it five straight going into the right. uh, All-Star break. And, you know, last night's game was certainly not one that they were excited about or proud of, especially in the second half being up so big and then blowing that lead. But, again, it's not to take away from what that they did during that four-game win streak. Um, right now, currently, uh, Cavaliers are 14-22. Um, and they are, but at the same time, only three games out of that um, 10th seed to where they would be able to have a play and opportunity for the playoffs. Uh, three games behind both the Indiana Pacers and the Chicago Bulls, who are 16 and 18, respectively. Both of them are. Um, so, Chris, I mean, with that, I mean, you can't take away that 10 game losing streak, right? It's just no, that's, that's part of it. But, you know, without that stretch and, and they're they're hovering around 500, if you take away a couple of those games on the West Coast, I mean, it's been a relatively decent year. I mean, at home, the Cavs are 9 and 10 on the road, 5 and 12. And again, those uh, those games on the West Coast certainly didn't help that. But 10 and 10 in the conference. So they've outside of that road trip, which, again, which was very difficult and you can't take away. It's part of the season. It's part of the team. But I mean, You've seen what a lot of good things happen for the Cavs this season, um, mm-hmm. all the while not having that really bad stretch, um, you know, with that road trip. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way that you have to look at that, right? Like, I think everything requires perspective. And and if you're willing to look at it through the right lens, I, I think you can understand why the Cavs went through that 10-game losing streak, Hayden. We talked about it. Like, that wasn't about them being bad. That wasn't about them not having good enough pieces, right? That was, for me, that was very, very circumstantial. And a lot of those circumstances you feel like are going to be different in the second half. Now, there's no guarantee that they will be. There's no guarantee that all these guys are going to get healthy and they're going to stay healthy, right? And there's no guarantee that all of a sudden 
some of these teams that look like um, they're winnable matchups for the Cavs don't turn and go the other way. And then they go through another brutal stretch of the schedule that it doesn't look like actually exists in the second half. There are a lot of things that could happen, but I think there are reasons for them to feel like, yes, we're still in this thing. Um, even after a 10 game losing streak that again, could have broken this team. Mm -hmm. They're still right there. And as I've been saying from the very beginning of the season, and it played itself out in the first half, the bottom of the Eastern Conference sucks. And the Cavs are aware of that. The players feel it. I mean, I was talking to Larry Nance Jr. about this. And he was like, look, like our competition is Atlanta, right? And the Washington Wizards and the Chicago Bulls. And no disrespect to any of them, but we're on that same kind of level. It's not like we're trying to compete with Philadelphia and Brooklyn here. You know, if, if they were trying to compete with Philadelphia and Brooklyn, then it would be laughable to think that they have any sort of chance of, of sneaking into the play-in tournament or something like that. But their competition is all teams very, very similar to them that have gone through some of the same things that the Cavs have gone through that are going to continue to go through the growing pains that come with playing young players and being in a rebuild. Atlanta just fired its head coach, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Washington has been a disaster that has started to figure it out over the last 10 games, winning seven of their last 10, but they could go the other way too. Who knows what's going to happen there? They probably have more talent than the Cavs because they have Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, but the collective of Washington is very similar, I think, to the collective of the Cavs. So um, I, I think they have reasons to feel like they did some good things in the first half of the season. And I think they have reasons to feel like the second half can be even better if some of these guys get healthy and if some of these guys stay healthy. Because, I'm I mean, just... like, here's the thing, Hayden. Even if the trade deadline is, is an aggressive one for the Cavs and they lose some pieces, this isn't a team that is going to dismantle the core. No. Uh, the one thing that we've seen from the Cavs, even if they are aggressive in making trades, they have not broken up the core. And they have an established core. It's Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, Larry Ninch Jr., and Jared Allen. Um, in the situation like the Cavs, they don't have any quote-unquote untouchables. I think Jared Allen is probably the closest thing to an untouchable that they have, followed closely by Colin Sexton. Mm -hmm. Um in saying that, like even if they trade Torian Prince or Jetty Osman or Andre Drummond or JaVale McGee, those aren't the kinds of moves um, based on the way that the Cavs have shown that they can play at the end of February and beginning of March that are going to cripple their chances in the second half. Like if we were having this conversation early on in the season when Andre Drummond was great and he was a big part of the Cavs competitiveness, right? If we were having that conversation before the four-game winning streak that they recently went on without the support of the veterans, then I think we could have looked at it and said, well, look, if they trade Kevin Love, if they trade Andre Drummond, if they trade blah player, um, this team's going to take a significant step backwards. Yeah. But they've been doing this without those guys. So none of the guys that they could potentially trade at the deadline are going to send them into this tailspin. 
because they're not going to break up the core of this team at the deadline unless they get blown away by an offer, which I just don't see happening. Yeah, I just don't see a team like completely rebuilding, you know, their their core and the Cavaliers wanted to rebuild their core, which yes, correct. So yeah, I agree with you that like no move that they make is going to like really shake things to the core. Um I mean, again, unless something, you know, unforeseen right. and un- like crazy happens, but and that's happened before. It's not to say it can't happen with Jared Allen. Hell, I don't think the Cavaliers, you know, had any inkling that he was going to be available, and there he was. So, right, uh, it's not to say it can't happen. I'm looking here at this at the Eastern Conference standings, Chris, and you mentioned a lot of those teams. It's crazy. The Eastern Conference only only four teams are above 500, and <laughs> the Cavaliers are. Think about that. Than- think about what you just said right yeah. there. Only four teams are above 500. One of those teams being the Boston Celtics at a game above 500. Yeah. And the Cavaliers are less than five games out of the four seed. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it's ridiculous for them to have this approach of we can make a push in the second half, given all the crap that they had to deal with in the first half. And the fact that they dealt with all of that adversity in the first half of the season, especially in February— and we're able to survive it, like, that is very, very telling. And I think that would spark some confidence in a team. I think it's right that they have confidence after going through all that kind of stuff and getting through it. And now, I mean, you you said, you said, you mentioned earlier that the Cavaliers are really excited about the second half for a lot of reasons. I think yeah. the schedule is easier. I think, obviously, they went through the toughest stretch in the first half. They're, you know, being able to, they're, they're coming together a little more. Um, you could, again, Health-wise, it looks like he could get healthier with Larry Nance Jr. coming back, with Kevin Love coming back, with Matthew Delvadova coming back. That adds three veteran presences that, you know, could obviously help you. Um, injuries are obviously something that you cannot avoid and you cannot foretell. But, I mean, there's no reason for me to believe that things won't get better in the second half for this Cavs team just based on what I'm looking at schedule-wise, what I'm looking at from, you know, additions in terms of, um, you know, injury, and then, again, possibly trades. Right, and and I think that's a fair way to look at it. Um, I will say this, though. Like, as we go through all of this, I think we have to keep in mind that this is still a young team. Yeah. And young teams are going to go through stretches like they did in the second half against the Indiana Pacers, right? Yeah. And young teams are also going to go into games against the Houston Rockets and win. So there are growing pains that come with it. There are ups and downs that come with it. And there's going to be inconsistency. The Cavs are going to lose games in the second half that you think they should win. They're going to be not very competitive in games that you think they should be competitive in. And I think that all just falls under the umbrella of this is a really, really young team that's relying on a lot of young guys. And with that is going to come inconsistency. It's just where they are. Yeah. Inconsistency certainly is something that, you know, that they've seen throughout the first half. And they'll continue to see. Absolutely. Of course. You know. I mean, obviously, Larry Nance Jr. back helps. He was supposed to be one of the veterans to support the kids. Yep. He's going to be, you know, the stabilizer of the starting lineup. Um, If Kevin Love can make it back, he'll help. I think we have seen with Dean Wade and and the skill set that he brings to the table, while not as talented as Kevin, but doing some of the things that the Cavs wanted from Kevin, I think you can kind of see the impact 
that Love would have on this roster just by spacing the floor, taking threes, knocking down threes. I mean, giving... again, no offense, no offense to Dean Wade. I think no. you know, he's done a good job, but like, imagine replacing D Wade with Dean. I said D Wade. He is D Wade. He is D Wade, Wade with uh, with Kevin Love. I mean, that's right. a significant impact. Right. And and we see what it means for this team to have that natural floor spacing power forward. Right. We've seen what it means for Darius Garland's growth and, and Colin Sexton's growth. And we see how it can impact Jared Allen in a positive way. And that's why the Cavs internally have been like, look, if we get Kevin back, um, he can be an impactful player for us, even though he's on the wrong side of 30, even though he's coming off a calf injury, even though his body is breaking down and his body is deserting him at this point of his career. If he can recognize... Um, the need to excel in a specific role that might be a little bit less than what he's been used to in his career, um, I think he could be an impactful player. Sure. Absolutely. Chris, I don't know if I love doing like the whole like, oh, who was your first half MVP? Who was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? But like, obviously... It's something to look back on. I mean, you know, who had the biggest impact and who, you know, who really helped this team go forward. Um, I mean, Colin Sexton just continues to put up great numbers. Um, you know, you wrote about the film session he had in Portland yep. with uh, with J.B. Bickerstaff. And since then, he's been, you know, right back to where he was at. He the last couple of nights, 32, 39, 28 in the uh, in the last three. Um, what do you think? I mean, if you had to look at the first half how would you have assessed the way Colin Sexton played as opposed to your expectations going into the season? Oh, man, I think he's been better. Yeah. Yeah, if we're being completely honest, I, I think he's been better. Mm-hmm. I think there were a lot of questions about, all right, so last year he was really, really good, and he had that unbelievable stretch after Jordan Clarkson got traded. All right, that was nice, but one, can he sustain it? And two, can he find a way to build on it? Because mm-hmm. the truth is, you know, he's an undersized two guard that looks to score first. That's what we said coming into the year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we were wrong in wondering about it. But he's been great. He's been he's been playing like an all-star, even though he's not going to make it to the all-star uh, game. Uh, and, and I don't think I had those expectations coming into the year for Colin. Did you? No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm not high on Colin, but certainly I, I did not have the expectations of him being, um, this kind of an all-star player at 24 points for four and a half assists a game. Um, you know, I think the thing that, you know, that still is just, is it's going to be tough for the Cavs is to find a remedy. And I guess Jared Allen really helps is defensively. I mean, defensively, yeah. Darius Garland and Colin Sexton still still having a tough, tough, tough time adjusting to the NBA level. And, um, you know, but I mean, as it's a very offensive league to begin with. So I think you have to look at, you know, yes, while you want to play defense and defense plays a, a large role, you know, what Colin has been able to do offensively certainly cannot go unnoticed. No, like, I mean, again, if 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 you're somebody, I think too often, let's phrase it this way. I think too often when we evaluate young players, we get caught up, the collective we, we get caught up in what a guy can't do. 
Yeah. And we lose sight of what he can do and what he is doing. And I've been saying this since Colin Sexton entered the league when people were like, oh, he can't pass. Oh, he can't shoot. Oh, he can't see when he drives to the basket. Right. So many people were looking at those things. And I said, "Okay, yes, those things are true. And he obviously wants to work at those. But in the meantime, look at what he can do. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that he can do. And he's got to get, you know, he's going to continue to get better at those things, too. And he's continuing to get better at the things maybe he doesn't do as well, Um, you know. He's been better defensively than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Now, does he have limitations? Yes, I think he's always going to have limitations because of his size. Darius Garland is always going to have limitations because of his size. And that's something that the Cavs are going to have to work through if they're committed to the Garland-Sexton backcourt. Uh, It's why they drafted Isaac Okoro, surround those guys with quality individual defenders. It's why they traded for Jared Allen to kind of be the linchpin of the defense. And Larry Nance Jr. is part of this core because he's such an impactful player at both ends of the floor, especially on the defensive end. Um, So if you're committed to that backcourt, you have to have the right pieces around those guys. In saying that, Colin hasn't been a disaster on defense the way that he was in his first two years. And I give him credit for working on that, fighting through screens um, better, uh, taking more of the defensive challenge. Again, he gets beat a lot. He gets picked on a lot. It's going to continue to happen. It happens with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in Portland. Um, so it's just something that he's going to have to work through. But But he's not a net negative because of that. Right. Like his offense has been so good and his defense has been respectable enough that the Cavs have become a better team offensively and defensively based on numbers with Colin out there on the floor. And you have to give him credit for that. You have to give him credit for that kind of growth. And it doesn't mean he's going to make all defense or anything along those lines. But in year three, Colin Sexton is the barometer for this team's success. There's Cavs, no other way to put it. Yeah, the Cavs have, have definitely been better defensively just as a whole. I mean, you look at, you know, that what they, I mean, yes, well, they started They certainly strong. couldn't have gotten any worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, for sure. But again, it speaks to just like we said at the beginning of the year, this team is going to be mostly about internal improvement. You know, yeah. that's, that's what it's going to be. And to this point, you said Colin Sexton's been better. How do you feel about Darius Garland? I mean, averaging 16 and 6, um, you know, ha- after a, you know, a rookie season filled with a lot of adversity. The Cavs completely crumbled against Indiana without Darius. Mm-hmm. Part of that is Darius. The other part of that is they don't have a backup point guard on the roster. Right. But during the winning streak, and it easily could have been a five-game winning streak as opposed to a four-game winning streak. So during this stretch where they've played a lot better, Darius has been at the center of it. He's the guy who can break down the defense. He's the guy who can get in the lane. He's the guy who's making his teammates better, creating opportunities for himself, creating opportunities for them. Um, The numbers point to him being a really, really impactful player over this last stretch. And I think if I'm not going to make too much of a stink about the rising stars, but I think he has a strong argument that he should have been there at the Rising Stars. Uh, been selected, I should say, 
as a member of the team um, because there's not a game that's going to be played this year. But he, he deserved a spot on that roster, I thought. The Cavaliers will not be represented um, at nope. the NBA All-Star Weekend, uh, which, you know, I guess wasn't a huge surprise given, you know, just I, the talent level, the weirdness of this year, you know, everything that kind of – I still don't – and I don't even think we've talked about this. I don't know why they're playing a game. Yeah, you do. I mean, I know why, but I, I just I, – I, I would not I, – I am not on the game train. That's fine. I get it. I, do, do you understand? Like, Yeah, I, sure. It just doesn't make – like, okay, yes, I know why they're playing the game, money and all that. Yes, yeah. I get it. I get it. But – like, I think that, that first of all, we, and we can get in, we, and this is going to, I don't want to tail, this tailspin too far. I just think all-star games are so watered down. Like, like growing up, with, when, when you and I were growing up, and you're a little bit older than I am, um, the all-star games were fun. They were, they were exciting. They were watchable. And now I just feel like they're completely the opposite in every sport. Do you know how much money the city of Cleveland is set to make on All-Star in 2022? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, certainly do. Okay. So there you go. I certainly. mean, there's your answer. No, that's my answer. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, in general, I just, I, I'm not as, ta- I'm not as taken aback with All-Star games like the way I used to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think a ton of people are, um, but I think enough people are to generate the kind of revenue. And at the end of the day, if the NBA feels like it can do something that protects the players, keeps them healthy, keeps them safe, feels good about the protocols in place, they're going to try and play. They're going to try and operate as business as normal. Because at the end of the day, the NBA is a business. Yep. It's entertainment. It's fun. It's a great outlet for, uh, for fans. Um, but it's a business. And, and they have to continue... Um, to do these kinds of things so that the salaries are what they are, so that um, the NBA can be, let's say, it can function as normal as what we've grown used to. And the other thing is they're doing a great job in terms of giving back to the HBCUs Yes, by holding this sort of thing. That's true. That's very true. So, That's so definitely- people, So people are benefiting. Right. The NBA is benefiting. I would assume the city of Atlanta is going to benefit as well. And if all of that can take place while the players stay safe and protected, then I don't see as much of a downside as maybe some other people do. Now, again, if there's an outbreak or something along those lines and these guys don't feel safe and protected, that's a different conversation. But I haven't heard that. Right. Yeah. No, I, I definitely get your point. It's just I, I don't know. I think it's just enough of a risk to play these games night in, night out, and then to like bring people in from all over the country sure. and you know different modes of transportation. And it's just I, I think that there's more of a risk. And is it a necessary risk? Yeah, some would say yes. Some would absolutely say yes. It's a necessary mm-hmm. risk, but others probably not. So um, certainly Atlanta. And how lucky is Cleveland, by the way? Um, thank goodness. I mean, Cleveland would have uh, lost out on a massive opportunity yeah. with with having if they had the All Star game this year. I mean, because yeah. the amount of money that Atlanta is going to generate from this thing is not going to be nearly what it would be in a normal year, and nearly what it would be probably, hopefully, by this time next year. Hopefully, by this time next year, 
we're all pretty much vaccinated and this thing is under control. Yep. Emphasis on hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, em yeah. seriously. Emphasis on hopefully. But, but I mean, like, Cleveland really is in a be much better spot than Atlanta is. So yeah. hopefully next year we're, we're watching the, you know, the dunk contest, three-point contest, and skills game, and the rookie game, and all that stuff, the rising <laughs> stars. Hopefully we're watching all that at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. And as Colin uh, Sexton said, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yep. And maybe he makes his first ever all-star appearance when the game is actually here in Cleveland. That's right. That's right. And I think if he continues on this trajectory and the Cavs will undoubtedly, you know, these guys will be another year older, another year, you know, hopefully better um, next year. Maybe they'll be a better team and maybe they will be a, a much more of a story when it comes to na on the national spotlight. Um, but like, as I said, the current Cavaliers uh, only five, only less than five games out of the fourth seed in the East, which is pretty incredible given everything <laughs> we've been through. Um Chris, the second half, we we talked, we, I think at the beginning of the season, we um, have made our predictions. I think you said 23 wins around there. Mm -hmm. I said around 25. They're already at 14. Um, and the second half sets up a little more favorably for them. So is there any way they can get to maybe 30 wins? Um, it's hmm. a good question. Yeah, I don't see it. Personally, I don't see it. Yeah. Um, I just think there are going to be more hurdles. There. All right. So let's put it this way. There, there are things that that teams have to deal with. There's always going to be adversity. Mm -hmm. uh, the reality is, some teams are just better equipped to handle that adversity. Mm -hmm. The Cavs are not one of those teams. Now, they've done a really, really good job, like I said, of surviving in the first half. But in order for them to get to that point that you're talking about, where they win 30 games, where they get in the play-in tournament, or they get higher than the play-in tournament, um, they're going to have to do more than just survive. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's it's a little bit different from that perspective. And look, even if Kevin Love comes back and they start showcasing him for a potential trade on March 25th and they don't get any nibbles, um, there are nine sets of back-to-backs. So there are nine built-in games where Kevin Love's probably not going to play. Yeah. Um, Darius Garland left last night's game against Indiana with groin injury. All eyes are going to be on that because he's the only natural point guard they have. All mm -hmm. indications are that he's going to be fine and that he's going to be ready to go for the first game of the second half. Uh, but any injury to Darius Garland is going to kill this team. Um, anything that happens to Colin Sexton is going to hurt this team as well. So I just think we have to plan for built-in things like that. Um that's probably going to affect them throughout the course of the second half of the season. So to think that they're going to win 16 more games the rest of the way, I think that's a lot, yeah. even with a better schedule. Right. Absolutely. But again, I mean, you add, you know, you add, um, hopefully, as you said, you add some of these guys back, Larry Nance Jr., Matthew Delvadova, Kevin Love, you add some veterans to this, this mix, you get deeper, you get, you know, a little more experience. I don't think it's out of the question that they could win you know anywhere between 28 and 30 games um but I, I guess the question too is like what 
what is the so what is the number that you'll think that you think that they'll have to get to to reach that 10 seed given that the east is so bad given that you know uh, that they're close already i'm looking at the standings right now yeah indiana i think is going to improve in the second half of the season mm-hmm. chicago's been better i still don't believe in atlanta the way that other people have um think their over under was set at like 35 which was the easiest money on the books um and i i think like i think like between 26 and 30 is probably the number okay yeah i think that's probably the number i haven't i haven't dug into chicago's schedule to see if they're going to go through the merciless stretch of the West Coast trip that the Cavs did. Uh, I mean, they have a couple of tough trips looking at their schedule. They have one that starts in San Antonio and finishes in Utah and goes to Phoenix as well. Uh, You know, they have some games left against the Miami Heat. I think Miami's going to be better in the second half once they get away from the COVID stuff and continue to get Jimmy Butler back. They're a different team with Jimmy. We know that. So I, I think between 26 and 30 is probably the number. Okay, so if 26 30 is the number, Cavs would have to obviously win about 12 more games. Um, Indiana would only have to win about 10 more games to get to 26, 12 more to get to 28. It's going to be fascinating. It, I think it is. Yeah. I think I think it's going to be a lot of – honestly, I mean, as much adversity as the Cavs went through in the first half, I think it's going to be a much – a very interesting second half for them. Maybe because of what you mentioned in terms of all the guys coming back, maybe in terms of an easier schedule, maybe in terms of just, you know, improvements from Colin Sexton, from from uh, from Darius Garland, continuing to play together, continuing to get on the court. More Um, time with Jared Allen. More time with Jared Allen. Absolutely. As Isaac Coro continuing to get, you know, time and minutes. I mean, I think I think it's going to be very, very fun to watch what happens in the second half of the season. And I think the Cavaliers are building towards something. Um, You know, I think that that the worst is definitely behind them in terms of this season, for sure. And maybe in general. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I think we all felt like that that Oklahoma City loss, the double-digit loss, um, was rock bottom for this team. Yeah. It was the last game of of that 10-game losing streak. It was a quote-unquote winnable opponent. It was at home. It was one – that's the kind of team that they should have been more competitive with. And because they weren't, um, we kind of felt like that was rock bottom. But, like, if you dug more into that, Hayden, they didn't lose that game because they're core players. They lost that game because their bench was a disaster. Right. And their bench was a disaster because they've been dealing with injuries and guys are playing that probably weren't going to be in the rotation at the beginning of the season. So even that game had some circumstances attached to it. Even that game had some yeah buts attached to it. But there is no team in the NBA that is going to go through a stretch as daunting as what the Cavs recently went through in February. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any team that is going to see 11 of 14 playoff teams in one month, (laughs) right? I don't think anybody is going to have a West Coast trip 
that starts in Phoenix, ends in Golden State, and has to go through Denver, Portland, and L.A. in between that. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, the toughest portion of the season and maybe even the toughest test for this organization to, like, hang in there and not break has already been passed. Now it's up to them, though. Like, it's easy for us to say that, right? But now yeah. they actually have to go out and and make it matter. Like, yes, the second half of the schedule should be easier, um, but that doesn't mean that they're going to capitalize. That's true. Like I said, there are games on this schedule that, that we think they should win. There's two against Sacramento. There are a couple against Washington and Chicago. But that doesn't mean they're going to win those games. They should have beaten Minnesota earlier this year, and they blew a double-digit lead in that game. You know what I mean? So it's just I think there are inconsistencies that that this team is going to have to continue to deal with because it's still so early on in this rebuild, and there's still just so much um, on the shoulders of these young players. Before I get to one of the final points that I wanted to ask you about, I do want to remind everybody on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast that you can get updates, analysis, insight from Chris sent straight to your phone for $3.99 a month. All you have to do, this is a new thing that I just found out about thanks to our uh, trusty uh, sports editor, is all you got to do is go to the cleveland.com slash Cavs page, and on the top of the page, it'll have a big thing in writing that says, get updates and text from Chris Feed over $3.99 a month. So go to that, click it, and you will find your way to it. Again, it'll be text sent straight to your phone, 14-day free trial to start. And what better time to start than right now? Because you'll start to get updates on the second half of the season, updates on some of these guys that are injured coming back, updates on you know how the Cavaliers are looking at the, into the second half of the season. So what better time than right now? Again, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. All you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs and click on the link at the top on the blue banner. It is just that simple, and you will get all kind of insight analysis. And soon, I think for the next podcast, we will uh, we will ask Chris a little bit about what he's given you on that um, subtext. Um, what, I'll give you, you one right now. I'll Good. give you go one ahead. right now. So Perfect. the great Sham Sharanya of The Athletic had an awesome piece earlier today about uh, some trade rumblings around the league. Mm-hmm. And – Mixed in there with the Cavs, obviously, was Andre Drummond and the conversations that they're having with the Toronto Raptors. Uh, he also pointed out Torian Prince and Jetty Osman. On February 18th, February 18th, I sent out to my uh, subtexters, there is a growing belief around the league that the Cavs are going to have to get creative with an Andre Drummond trade. That means three or four teams involved. It's doable especially because they have the contract of Jetty Osman and also Torian Prince. Uh, Drummond's value is what it is, but if they have to go the route of a three or four team, uh, expect Jetty Osman to be part of that deal or talked about as part of that deal. And I go on to say he's an expendable piece that teams have shown interest in throughout the course of this year. Osman also has a very team-friendly contract that declines as it goes that makes him worth another team taking a shot on. So that was February 18th, about two weeks before um, the report from Shams that came out earlier today. I had been talking to my subtexters. We had been going back and forth 
about the possibility of, of Jetty Osman being moved. Well, there you go. What better reason than right there? Uh, just a little insight into what you're going to be getting for $3.99 a month and for two weeks for free. So again, go to Kalima.com slash Cavs. Go to the blue banner at the top of the page, and it's just that simple. You'll get all your Cavaliers insight, analysis, et cetera, from Mr. Chris Fedor. Um, before we go, Chris, um, you know, obviously a lot of this second half hinges, and and you wrote about it, about this about the health of the Cavaliers. Um, you know, that's been one of the, the really big issues for Cleveland is, is staying healthy and getting healthy. Yeah. Um, that has not been their strong suit thus far to this point. Uh, Larry Nance Jr., a big loss specifically with that hand, um, and Kevin Love and Matthew Delavidova. But so you wrote a piece called The Cavaliers Head into the All Star Break with Playoff Thoughts. Know that health will play a large role. So, with that being said, will we? I mean, when you know, I love asking these questions. Oh, you no, here never, we go. You never know the answer, but you know, it's Just, funny. Will we see wh- who will we see on the floor? Will we see anyone? of the aforementioned on the floor when the Cavaliers take on the New Orleans Pelicans to start the second half of the season next week. Yeah, you'll see Nance. Okay. You'll see Nance. All right. Um, there was good, some conversation. Yeah, there was some conversation that Nance was going to be back before the All-Star break. Um, it's just a situation where he's got so much hardware in his hand that the Cavs don't feel like he can do much more damage. He doesn't feel like he can do much more damage to that hand as well. Um, He's been shooting before games. He started with a pad, a protective pad on his left hand. He took that off um, as this rehab continued to go the right way. Um, I think the Cavs are just, I think they decided that they were going to take it cautious with him and not bring him back before the All-Star break, even though they probably could have. And even though I believe he wanted to come back before the All-Star break. So I expect him to play against New Orleans, have that matchup against Zion Williamson to open the second half of the season. I'm not as definitive when it comes to Kevin Love because um, I have started to get inclinations recently that it's a mental challenge for Kevin with this particular injury, um, given how his body is breaking down, given his age, given the history of the injury and what it can lead to, And given the fact that there's going to continue to be soreness, probably, and he needs to figure out, one, what that means, and two, whether he can play through it. And I think that has been really, really tough for him, where he goes out there, he works out, he feels good, but he doesn't exactly feel like himself or his old self. And I think it just he needs to recognize that he's 32 years old and he's probably not going to feel like his old self. But that's a mental hurdle that some of these guys always have to clear when it comes to coming back from injuries. Like, can I still be effective? Can I still be the same player? And if I can't, like, are there things that I can still do on the court to feel like I'm helping? And Matthew Dellavedova, I mean, obviously we, you wrote the piece about him being such an important part on the bench, kind of like a coach to these young kids. And you've yeah. already seen the the impact that he's made with with Colin Sexton, with Darius Garland. Um, you know, concussions, as you said, they're like snowflakes. But he's back. He's back on the court, which is good. He's back. You he know, was able to uh, travel. That was yeah. good too. Yeah. So I mean, any like, I, I, is there any sense of timetable there, or is just kind of day by day, wait and see? Well, no, because there are two things. <laughs> yeah, the appendectomy, right. Right. You got to think about the appendectomy, and that's going to add on to the recovery time. 
And if you, if you watch him move around on the bench a little bit, just to try and go talk to Darius or talk to Colin or just point things out that he's seeing, he's moving very gingerly. He looks like a guy who just had his appendix removed recently. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the recovery process as well. On the official injury report, he's listed with head concussion. Right. So um, because of that, that leads me to believe that he still needs to clear some other steps when it comes to the concussion protocol. But then on top of that, it's the appendectomy, which I was looking this up the other day. I think it's like a two to four week recovery. Mm hmm. Now, the timing of it is pretty good because the all-star break for the Cavs is nine days, so that's yep. nearly two weeks. Um, but but I just think it's hard to give a timetable when you're dealing with two different things at the same time. That's very true. Um, either way, I mean, I think, again, I think we can't, I mean, who knows? Injuries are injuries, and, and that happens, and, and, you know, we can't be talking about too long for either of them. I mean... Like, we can't be talking like months. Oh, well, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But it. Well, we don't it, know. It wasn't supposed to be this long for Kevin Love. Right. We're we're at a point now where we can say it wasn't supposed to be this long. Correct. Yep. Internally, there were conversations about the Oklahoma City game on February twenty first. That was two weeks ago. Yep. And here we are. On March 4th. Well, like I said, the All-Star break is upon us almost for Chris. Um, He's got to finish up some pieces. But for the NBA guys, for the players, they are um, on the All-Star break. And again, maybe this will get, like like Chris said, maybe a better opportunity for them to stay, uh, to get healthy during this nine-game layoff that they will have before they head to New Orleans to take on the Pelicans on March 12th. Um, until then, Chris, anything you want to say? I'm assuming that we won't talk next week. You got to be out. You got to, you know, get some rest, take some time. I mean, end of next week, we can talk. That's about when the end of next week is about when the second half of the season is going to be starting. I'm going to be heading towards New Orleans. So, yeah, I mean, I think we can talk at the end of next week. Okay. well, until then, anything to say? No, I don't think so. No. All right. Well, with that being said, the Cavaliers, like I said, 14 and 22 in the first half. We will see what happens in the second half. We'll see how healthy they can get and how much, um, you know, improvement we will see from them. So obviously being healthy is, is very important, but the Cavaliers definitely, well, nothing's for sure, but certainly look as though they've been through the worst part of their season and it is only getting better from here. Um, as I told you earlier, go sign up for Chris's subtext, $3.99 a month for daily texts, and he will send it right to your phone. He will answer you back. He will give you all kinds of ups, insight analysis and what he's hearing around the Cavaliers organization. What better time to sign up than today as the Cavaliers are heading into, like I said, maybe the better portion of their season and a portion of which maybe their guys are going to get healthy and maybe, you know, Andre Drummond gets traded or somebody else along those lines. So, uh, $3.99 a month. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs, and you will see the blue banner at the top of the page. Until we talk to you again, Chris, have a safe and happy and healthy and fun trip to Fort Lauderdale. Thanks, and brother. enjoy the rest of your, well, enjoy the All-Star break when it begins, I will say. <laughs> Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, everyone. You enjoy the All-Star break as well, and we will talk to you next time on the Wani Gold Talk podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.